Welcome to another episode of The Impolite Psychologist. So today I want to talk about the idea of what it means to forget. In the line of work I do, there is a lot of discussion around memory. Now, if you're my age, you understand the issues with short-term memory, which is typically you'll see somebody walking around with a pair of glasses on their head and they'll say, where are my glasses? Or in my case, I pretty much lose my phone every day until I remember where I left it. And so there's sort of a disruption that is normal in short-term memory that comes with middle age. But I wanted to talk about how memory works in general and what it means in the world of trauma and therapy. And so those examples I gave were examples of issues with short-term memory. And short-term memory has to do with things that happened most recently, like what you ate for breakfast today or what you did on your lunch break yesterday. So we understand that. All of that stuff is within the realm of short-term memory. In the realm of long-term memory is stuff that has happened in your life that goes back some time. So if I ask you to remember something that happened to you at about age three, you might not be able to remember anything at all from that time Or you might have a piece of a memory, like maybe you have a picture, a picture or an image in your mind of something that happened, like being at preschool, for example, but you don't have any feelings attached to it or have any idea of what was actually happening because it's so far back in time. So you just have one piece of that. All memories consist of pictures, thoughts, emotions, and body sensations. So if you remember back to a time when you were in school, maybe a little later than that, say age seven, you might have more memory intact. You might remember being on the playground at school and having an argument with a friend, or when you fell off the jungle gym, how that hurt, right? And so when you think of later times, more of the memory is intact, usually. So back in 2015, Disney put out a movie called Inside Out. And I remember when this movie was coming out, I thought to myself, Disney is absolutely going to screw this one up. They are making a movie about emotions, and it's going to fail miserably. At the time, I didn't really have faith in Disney's ability to get this subject matter right. I'd seen them tell different stories, but to talk about emotions and stuff that goes on inside somebody's head... I didn't know if they could really pull it off, and quite frankly, I didn't think that they could. And then I saw Inside Out and felt like someone had finally created a movie that talked about what happens inside of our minds. 
And if you haven't seen the movie, I highly recommend it. In Inside Out, they cover the emotions of joy, sadness, anger, fear, and disgust, and how the life experiences of a girl and her memories and her emotions all kind of work together. And what she is going through is a difficult time. And she starts to feel depressed. And sadness begins to kind of take over. And there are other emotions inside of her that are trying to stop that from happening. And it's just so good in terms of understanding the interactions of our emotions and our personal life experiences. But the added bonus of this movie is the way that they help us to understand memories. And there is in the movie a cliff that once a memory goes over this cliff, it ends up in the darkness and forgotten forever. And I think that that is kind of what happens to those early memories. Early memories, like what I had described at age three, how much of that do you still have? And how much of that is completely gone, forgotten? And maybe you don't even have pictures. Maybe you just have emotions that are related to that, or body sensations even. But that is kind of what happens, is that some memories are held onto and some kind of escape us for a while. And in Disney's movie, Bing Bong is a character who is this little girl's childhood friend. And spoiler alert, And at some point, he goes over the cliff into the darkness and is not fully remembered. And at some point, something happens where Bing Bong comes back to her that she remembers again. And this is how memories work, that things will come back when you least expect it, maybe, When you're reminded of something from childhood, it comes back to you. And so it's a complicated thing. The mind is very complicated and awesome at the same time. The mind is so interesting to me and why I do what I do. Now, you might be familiar with the concept of dissociation. It's like when you're not present for a a period of time. And dissociation is one of those things that is on a spectrum. Everybody has this experience of being introduced to somebody. Hi, I'd like you to meet my friend John. Oh, nice to meet you. And then five minutes later, you realize you don't remember what the guy's name was that you were just introduced to. And that happens to all of us. Or you ask somebody how they're doing, and they give you an answer, and it's like you never heard them. That is dissociation that probably everybody can relate to. And then it goes further to not being present in longer periods of time. For example, 
when a person will tell you that they had a really horrible experience one day and they don't remember parts of it. All the way up to someone who has multiple personality disorder, or as it's known today, dissociative identity disorder, in which there are parts of the personality that don't know about each other or are treated like they are actually another person rather than a part. And I can go into more depth on that on another day. But the idea is that memory works in mysterious ways. In private practice, I have people who forget entire years of their childhood. Not just the foggy sense of, I remember being in second grade and I kind of remember my teacher and I know who my friends were, but more like I don't remember second grade at all. The only memories I have, I'm not sure if those are memories or just things I've seen in pictures. And what's interesting about this is that those of us who work in the world of psychological trauma know that losing large periods of time is related to trauma. Because think about this, even people who have dementia, who don't know the difference, for example, between the nurse at the nursing home and their daughter, they are still able to tell you stories from the war, how they met their spouse, their favorite songs from their childhood or their teen years, they still have a lot of long-term memory intact, which is interesting. So memory issues occur very differently from one person to the other. And I'm not talking about because of head injuries or anything like that. I'm talking about the way the mind deals with memory stuff and connection to the present. So a lot of times too, I will experience clients who describe their daily life as seeming kind of foggy, that they are, they're viewing their everyday life from almost like behind glass or feeling like things are dark around them. And it's really a kind of dissociation and a kind of disconnection. Um, A lot of times this is described as depersonalization, like not feeling like you are present inside your body and making decisions, that you're more of an observer as things kind of happen and you go along, like being asleep at the wheel, so to speak. And so what's interesting about this is when a person who is dealing with depersonalization walks into the therapy room I almost begin to feel depersonalized as well. I begin to feel foggy. I can tell when I'm talking to somebody who feels dissociative because I begin to feel it too. Like I'm suddenly not present, not as present or not as conscious as I normally am. And so what all of this is, 
dissociation, depersonalization, fogginess, all of that is actually the brain's way of protecting us. And it's something that gets developed in childhood. And when we think about threats and we talk about danger, we're all aware of this fight or flight thing. It's like a bobcat shows up when you're on a hiking trail. Are you gonna fight it? Are you gonna throw rocks at it? Or are you gonna run for your life, right? Fight or flight. And that is what we do when we are trying to survive a threatening situation. And this is actually what happens during our childhoods. We are confronted with very scary, threatening, and dangerous things that are sometimes people who are sometimes our caregivers, and we have to make a decision, fight or flight. In many cases with trauma, kids who were being hurt in some way, either emotionally or physically, did not often have the option of leaving because they would get in trouble or fighting because they would get hurt. And so the other option is to freeze. And that's dissociation. And we see this, we see this also in the animal kingdom. Possums will freeze in order to avoid being hurt. And hopefully when, when they are in that frozen state, they are either not seen or they are perceived as dead and the predator moves on. And that's what kids develop when they learn how to dissociate. When they cannot escape a situation, their mind finds a way to shut down so that they don't have to endure whatever pain is happening in the present. And this, although the world may see this as dysfunctional in some way, a person who dissociates, the world may see them as dysfunctional, but in fact, it's highly functional. It's highly adaptive that your brain could find a way to protect you when you cannot escape. And I can tell you that working with people who have these issues with dissociation, it can be cured. We can actually bring people back to the present and back to connection, their dissociative symptoms can lessen and they might even go away completely. And the reason is, is that it's, as I said earlier, it's not maladaptive. It is not maladaptive to dissociate. It's actually quite adaptive and meant for survival. And it is the brain sort of functioning at its best to protect you. So when we work on trauma and we heal the trauma, we don't make it go away. We cannot change a person's past. We cannot 
make them forget. But when we help them to heal from the trauma, dissociation doesn't need to continue. It is no longer necessary because being present is now safe. And so the brain stops needing to do that. Now, what's interesting that I come across when I work with people who have significant trauma histories is that a lot of times they will tell me that they're afraid that working through the trauma will make them forget somehow. And I can assure you, most trauma is not forgotten. The idea is not to forget the trauma. The idea is is heal it so that it doesn't feel like it's still happening now when it's not, to help the person feel safe now, today, in the present. And the reason, though, that people don't want to forget is part of the trauma often has to do with either people not believing them or people who invalidated it as trauma at the time it was happening. And that can happen in a number of ways. It can just be that someone tells them that what they went through was not that big of a deal, right? People will tell them, you should have seen what happened to me when I was growing up. This is nothing. What you went through is not that big of a deal. What you went through is not a problem. What you went through, you'll get over, right? And so part of why people want to hang on and are afraid of forgetting is that they are worried that somehow their experience is going to be invalidated if they don't feel the same way about it. And so that becomes an issue. Unfortunately, we can't erase the traumatic events that occurred in your life, but the mind is powerful and resilient and the brain is an amazing organ that can do all these things. And with a little guidance, from an adept trauma therapist, we can utilize the brain in a way that heals itself. And I have to stress that you find an adept trauma therapist because they are not all created equal. And there are a lot of people in my field, unfortunately, who check the box as being adequate as a trauma therapist, and they simply are not. And they say that they work with trauma because they hear about trauma. That's not the same thing as working on the mind and memories and healing trauma through understanding the brain's processes. That Just being a therapist, all of us have heard about trauma, but that doesn't make us good at healing it. There is specific training that makes someone qualified to be a trauma therapist. And so I would empower you to ask the question, 
if you see a therapist who says that they specialize in trauma, what exactly they mean by that, what their experience is. And if they're not having a conversation with you about memories and survival skills and how the brain deals with trauma and heals from trauma, then they probably aren't qualified to help you. But don't be afraid because this is some really heavy stuff, but it is so, so hopeful in the work that we can do to help people work through just about anything. And so please, if you feel like any of this describes you and what your experience has been, reach out and deal with it because there is a lot of potential for healing, a lot of potential for hope in this area. Be well and thank you for listening.